Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Well, that's right. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your market view. Now, if you recall, we ended last week talking about how global investors were cautious ahead of a key market report out of the US. Well, US non-farm payrolls rose 315,000 in August, a little lower than the 318,000 expected by Dow Jones economists. Now, we'll find out whether the data is enough for the Fed to change their minds on a jumbo rate hike come September. Now, still, the news brought some brief respite to equity and crypto markets and the safe haven gold, which rose slightly on the data. What implications would this have on global economies? For how long can investors remain bullish about the US economy? Meantime, we see oil prices seem to rebound from their summer lows as talk to revive the Iran nuclear deal seem to have stalled. Some new developments coming out of Russia as well. We'll talk more about that. And helping us break down all that market action, we have with us Craig Earlham, Senior Market Analyst, UK and EMEA at Oanda. Hi, Craig. Hi, how are you? Great, and great to have you on our show as well, Craig. Let's start with the U.S. economy. We saw 315,000 non-farm payrolls added in August, largely in line with expectations. How do you read into the numbers? Well, I think on the first and foremost, it's an encouraging number. Mm-hmm. It is a slight deceleration from what we've seen previously, but that is still extremely strong levels of jobs growth, especially at a time when the U.S. labor market is already extremely tight. So I think that is a number that accompanied with the other data that we saw from that jobs report, I think it's something that we very welcome from both the investment community but also from Federal Reserve as well. Mm. And Craig, you mentioned that the markets were relatively pleased with the readings. There were aspects that were pleased the Fed and supported in easing the brakes. So tell us more about those aspects and which other key data points in the report that we should be looking at right now? Well, so often with regards to the jobs report, the headline non-farm payrolls number is what grabs the attention and writes the headline. But some of the other underlying figures, what people are more interested in right now, because that gives us indications of just how tight the labour market is, whether it's loosening up, and also what the inflation implications is going to be. And this is what the Fed is most key on at this point in time. And the aspects of the report which I think were the most encouraging on this side were the participation rate, which Mm. rose from 62.1% to 62.4%. That creates that slack in the labour market that the Fed wants to see. It was wage growth not increasing, uh, which again is something that will please the Fed. And on the back of both of these things, that's the, that led the unemployment rate to move slightly higher without actual job losses occurring. All of these are, I think, from the Fed's perspective, are very positive because that could suggest that slack is appearing in the labour market without job losses, which could help the inflation outlook and make their job a little bit easier. And because of that, I think combined with that job growth number, the NFP, I think this was a really good jobs report. Mm, sounds very positive here. Increased in participation rate, but not so much of wage growth. But the big question here is, while the data seems to be building up a case for the Fed to ease off the brakes, is it enough to change officials' mind for a 75 basis point rate increase at this point? I think alone it won't change their mind, but when paired with the inflation data which comes next week, it could be enough. We've seen one inflation reading last month, which actually showed a deceleration more so than the markets were expecting. So that got investors quite excited that we could potentially see a slowing in the pace of tightening from the Federal Reserve. I think if we see another one uh, next week uh, that shows, again, a a faster deceleration in the inflation picture, creating uh, the start of a trend potentially in terms of inflationary pressures on top of that job support, that could be enough to actually convince the Fed that 50 basis points is enough uh, in two weeks uh, and to pursue uh, more uh, more tightening from there on in. 
But, like I say, in the absence of that, I don't think the jobs report is enough in itself to stop a 75 base point rate hike happening in uh, two weeks' time. Mm. And I want to turn our attention to look at market reaction. The non-farm payrolls report certainly brought some brief relief to equities market on Friday, but we do see that rally fizzled, major indices ending over 1% in the red. Of course, I understand that has to do with some developments happening from Russia cutting this key pipeline for gas, but have the US jobs report glow faded at this point? I think sentiment in the market is still very negative because of the economic outlook globally, not just in the US. But I do think we've seen a lot of economic data recently, which highlights the fact that inflation is probably going to be stubborn over the longer term. Central Mm. banks are going to have to remain aggressive in their tightening globally. Uh, And when you see the picture from the cost of living perspective and the knock-on effects of the the outage on the Nord Stream Mm. pipeline in Europe, this could potentially be quite severe uh, for the economy. So that's why we've seen a negative start today. That's why we've seen the, the, the kind of boost from the non-farm payrolls and the jobs report as a whole start to fade quite quickly. Obviously, these are quite volatile times in the market, so that could change. But I think pure, certainly from a European perspective, the development of the last few days is extremely negative. Mm. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Craig Earlham, Senior Market Analyst, UK and EMEA at Oenda. So, Craig, I just want to find out how are markets in Europe and Middle East area likely to react to the jobs report? Are we expecting them to be relatively unaffected? I think, um, I, I, I think like I said, I think the Nord Stream Pipeline news overshadows mm. the jobs report somewhat. And you don't often see that. Usually the US jobs report is the standout report every month on a global basis and mm-hmm. everyone pays attention to it and it has the ability to really dictate sentiment. This is not an ordinary market. This is not an ordinary world we live in. Quite often the US bank holiday can be quite a quiet day for the entire market and that is very much the opposite today because of these actions from uh, Gazprom and what it means, that what the implications are for Europe going into what it was already going to be a highly uncertain and troubling uh, winter period. So I think the jobs report has really maybe been lost in all of these headlines with regard to the market moves that we're seeing in Europe and uh, and the Middle East. Hmm. In case you're wondering what we're talking about, uh, Russia's gas pipeline, we're talking about Russia's Gazprom announcing an indefinite shutdown of its key Nord Stream 1 pipeline to Germany after G7 countries agreed to impose a price cap on Russian oil. Frick, I want to pose you this question on energy prices. We saw Russia's Gazprom announcing this indefinite shutdown of its key pipeline. At the same time, talks to revive the Iran nuclear deal seem to have stalled. Where do you see oil and gas prices? is moving for next week at least? I think the oil prices, oil and gas prices are going to be well supported and I think the risk of more upside moves probably outweighs the alternative. As you say, it's not just the action that's been undertaken by Gazprom, it's also the price cap that was announced by the G7 late last week, all of the technical mm. details of how this will be implemented and who will work with the G7 in order to implement this is ultimately key to how successful it can possibly be. But I think one of the big downside risks for the oil, ga- oil price uh, going into the end of the year was always going to be a, a nuclear deal between the US and Iran. And that seems to have hit something of an impasse with the two very much in disagreement on how constructive Iran's response to the US proposals were. So that suggests that uh, any hope of a near-term uh, deal there seems to have been dashed. But of course, this is a fast-moving 
uh, market and fast-moving situations so that could change over the course of this week. But in the absence of a nuclear deal and given that we that we, we are seeing more appetite from within OPEC+, plus, particularly from Saudi Arabia, to potentially cut oil output because of the uh, the, in the what we're seeing for the global economic outlook right now and the price movements that we've seen over the past couple of weeks, it does suggest that the, the risk is more tilted to the upside for oil prices this week. Hmm. Moving away from all the macroeconomic analysis, I want to briefly touch on currencies as well. The Japanese yen crossed that 140 psychological mark against the US dollar. So what does this say about the policy divergence between the US and Japan? Where do you see the yen moving in the near term? It's really interesting because 140 for a long time has been talked about as a potential area where Japanese officials could become very uncomfortable. Hmm. And we haven't seen uh, intervention in the currency markets uh, from the Ministry of Finance for, for quite a long time that we're aware of. Uh, so I think what we're seeing at the moment, because this pair is still continues to linger around that level, I wonder if there's a bit of nervousness creeping in about the potential for intervention. We had comments early on Friday morning from one or two different Japanese officials suggesting that this is a, an area of urgency as far as they're concerned, so that will have added to the nervousness. But ultimately, that policy divergence between the two central banks is clear and it doesn't appear to be moving anywhere. While the US is continuing to raise aggressively, the Bank of Japan is firmly of the view that inflation, while above target currently, is going to fall back below target and therefore much more monetary stimulus is going to be necessary. And if that remains the case, then this, then the price action for the dollar-yen pair over time uh, should continue to push higher unless one of those two stands changes. Then mm, let's look at cryptocurrencies as well. Bitcoin spent the previous week really desperately holding to that $20,000 support level. Optimism that the US labour market is slowing doesn't seem to be helping either. So where do you see the cryptocurrency moving? Well, I think we have to remember that Bitcoin is, or cryptocurrency, is ultimately the ultimate uh, uh, risk instrument. Mm. For a long time, we've, we were told that it could be gold 2.0, that it could be a safe haven, it could be an inflation hedge, mm. etc., etc., etc. But what we've clearly seen over the course of the last year is it is the ultimate risk asset. And with that, we are seeing a lot more risk aversion right now. And we're seeing that $20,000 level really being tested. And mm. today, at the, point of, at the point of this interview, it's actually trading a little bit below here, down mm-hmm. around 1% yep. on the day. If we see this level significantly break, then I think we could potentially be seeing those June lows uh, being tested in the not-too-distant future because I think the risk appetite in the markets just simply doesn't favour a risk asset like Bitcoin. Mm, So moving away from cryptocurrencies, let's talk about the other side of things. Safe haven asset, gold, breathing a huge sigh of relief. I understand why is it so? Is this against expectations? The Fed will go for a 50 BPS hike in September, which means it raises the appeal of the non-yielding yellow metal. That could potentially be the case. I do think we have seen expectations for a 75 basis point rate hike pair back ever so slightly after that jobs report on Friday, and that could be providing some support for gold. Uh, I mean, today gold is actually slightly higher, even though the dollar is performing very well because of its safe haven status. Um, But I think also supporting gold right now is the fact that it's kind of traded back towards that 1680, 1700 level. Now, this has been a key area of support over the course of the last couple of years. So I do think there's probably a technical element coming into play here and encouraging traders not to be so bearish in the short term because of that supportive 
element. But if we do continue, continue to see central banks raising rates aggressively and we don't see the inflation report that I think many investors are probably hoping for in two weeks' time, then I think gold will remain very much under pressure. Mm. And Craig, just one final question from us before we let you go. What should investors be taking note of right now amid all the uncertainties, especially in Europe? Well, I think all the uncertainty is clear and I think that's really having a very negative impact. Uh, as far as this week is concerned, mm. I mean, the European Central Bank meeting on Thursday is key. Uh, that's where we'll start to see those pressures potentially be compounded because not only is there a major cost of living crisis and we've got enormous uncertainty over energy prices, but because of the inflation outlook, we're seeing interest rates rising uh, now in Europe for the first time in many, many years. So we saw a 50 basis point rate hike at the last meeting. Now the markets are pricing in probably a 75 basis point rate hike this week and probably more to come. And unfortunately, unlike the U.S., that has a very resilient and uh, sustainable economy, the European economy is far more fragile. So even though we're only talking about the second rate hike in, in, in about a decade, um, this could potentially be enough to tip the economy into recession. So I think the eyes of uh, Europe are going to be on the European Central Bank meeting on Thursday. Mm, a quick, I understand we said that it's the last question, but just a very, very quick one over here. Do you think the European economy is in a recession already? Some are saying that they are, in fact, in a recession. What do you think? I think we sometimes get too hung up on the actual recession word in itself. I think the European economy is in recession at this point based on the fact that we are seeing economic activity grinding to a halt and we are starting to see signs of incredible anxiousness in the in the business community and i think the, the fact that i think an, a recession is almost inevitable to be confirmed in the fourth quarter effectively means we are in recession at this point the data just isn't quite there yet to support it mm, thank you very much craig that was craig Erlam, senior market analyst uk and emir at oenda thank you very much before craig. acting on the information on money fm Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.